You are listening to the Alpha Man Project with your host, Ted Rice. Would you like to be bigger, leaner, and stronger? Do you want to develop the confidence to go after what you want in life? Or how about becoming the man that women want to be with? It doesn't matter if you're a successful CEO or working 9 to 5. We're here once a week to empower you to reach your full potential so you can live life on your own terms. You deserve greatness. Now it's time to make it happen. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Find it all at alphamanprojects.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Alpha Man Project. I'm your host, Ted Rice, and today I have Sincere Hogan with us. Sincere is the owner of New Warrior Training Systems and New Warrior Media based in Houston, Texas. He's better known as the People's Fit Coach, and you may know him as the co-host of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Mike Mahler. Not only is he the ultimate fat killer, but he is the consummate self-confidence builder, and he's on a mission to coach, empower, and inspire individuals to create a health and fitness lifestyle that they truly desire. All right, Sincere, thanks so much for being on the line today. How you doing today, man? I'm good, brother. Feeling good. No complaints here. I won't complain. I like it. I like it. And Sincere, let's kick things off with your favorite quote and why. Thomas Alva Edison, show me a satisfied man and I'll show you a failure. So the self-explanatory right there. Most time when we ever get satisfied and we get comfortable and we get into our comfort zone, we're not progressing anymore. We're just sitting there. We're flatlining, man. So, you know, a lot of times people hear me say that quote and they're thinking like, well, if you're never satisfied, you can always be chasing, chasing, chasing. Look, man, I'm chasing my breath every day because I want to get one more breath because I still have things to do on this planet, man. If I just think it's satisfied, then, you know, your heart starts to stop, man. You're giving up. There's no life going on. You're not living. So my thing is, if if you're steady pursuing life and still wondering what's out there, guess what? You're not satisfied. So I think we tend to look at the word and we look at it the wrong way and think like, oh, you're just being greedy. You want to just keep, you just want it all. You know, I I want everything I can get that I want while I'm here. I just want to make sure those things that I want are actually going to benefit more than just myself. So when you put that onto it, it's not such a bad thing to always strive and want more. Yeah, man. I like that because it's so true. It's like, yeah, I'm comfortable. I watch my TV. (laughs) I work nine to five. It's like, guy, you got to be more creative. You got to see what's going on out there. We can travel the world. You can, you know, there's all this opportunity. And I love how you, Sincere, you're just about going after it. And that's super cool. And when you add that thing on where you're trying to make a difference for people in their lives and help bring them up and show them the way, that's even, absolutely, that's what it's all about. So big respect to you, man. And one thing that I like about you and your story is you're not a fitness guy by you are always in the fitness. We talked about this on another podcast and you started out as a DJ. Could you share your story on the Alpha Man Project about how you went from that one lifestyle into what you're doing now? Yeah, it's funny because both of those worlds that I was in, the entertainment industry and as well as the fitness industry, they've always been a part of my life, even when I was a kid. I've always been a kid that loved to entertain. I was performing talent shows. I was in all these little groups. I was always in band. I was in orchestra. And at the same time, man, I just, I was always into athletics, but for a long time, I couldn't participate in athletics because I was a kid that grew up with severe asthma, severe bronchitis. I mean, even flatlined one time when I was four years old, I had a very serious asthma attack 
with pneumonia. And, you know, they had to revive me and bring me back. So from that point on, it just got to the point where my grandmother was like, no, he's not playing any sports, but I really wanted to. And all those doctors that I had before then, they advised against it. Suffice it to say, later on, probably around um, junior high school, I had a doctor that said, you know what, I suggest that he start to participate in organized sports. I think that's going to actually help his lungs get stronger and really help him with the severe asthma. Well, come to find out, once I started participating in sports, the asthma went away. I haven't had an asthma attack, man, probably since Reagan was president. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm dating myself here. You know, I'm talking about his first round, too. No, but I'll, probably like since the, like, I probably like sixth grade, I think, was the last time I had a serious asthma attack, and I haven't had asthma since then. That's when I started participating in sports and things got better. But fast forward to high school, again, I told you I was in band, and we were raising money for a band trip to good old Gatlinburg, Tennessee, <laughs> to participate in a band contest. And we did a fundraiser with car washes and all that. And plus we did a day of being on the radio. Well, at that time I was 16. We all had our different shifts to go on the radio show and promote the fundraiser. So when I come back from this band trip about a month later, there's this guy that was looking for me and he finally caught up with me. He's like, yeah, uh, we've been trying to find you for the past month. I'm like, oh crap, what did I do at the radio station? Did I tear up something or did I break something? But he's like, no, nah, my boss heard you and he wanted to know, would you be interested in actually coming here and working at the radio station and doing a show? And I was like, really? And trust, I'm a guy that grew up listening to Casey Kasem, who just recently passed away this past weekend, rest in peace. He was a big influence on me. He used to listen to American Top 40 every weekend, man. And yeah. then, you know, there, there's Tom Joyner, you know, who this guy to me was like phenomenal because here was this DJ back in like the late 70s and 80s. This guy was in Dallas. He'd do his morning show in Dallas, get on an airplane and fly to Chicago and do his afternoon show there. And he'd do this like every week, every day for like every week. And I thought this, like, I said, dude, I want to do that. I want to be that guy. I mean, this guy earned the nickname the Fly Jock because he was always flying back and forth from Chicago to Houston, I mean, Dallas, to do his show every day. I wanted to do that. So when this guy came to me and gave me this opportunity, I ran with it, man. So kind of the cool dude in high school because, you know, here I am have a radio show on the weekends. Yeah, and I'm working McDonald's on the side. Actually, I worked at McDonald's just to have money for school clothes. But the radio job, I could have done that for free. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, man. you know, yeah, exactly. Like 16 years old, a radio show, you're going up against some of the biggest jocks in the area and your show is beating theirs and you're not even trying, you're breaking new music. I'm doing, on one station, I'm doing country. Other station, I'm doing top 40 and then I get to do a hip hop show on the weekend. But back then, we're talking like 1988. You did a country show? Yeah, man. Uh, I, didn't, I, mean, I know you're from Texas. You I'm know. from East Texas at that. So you won't get any more country than that. Dude. <laughs> okay. I'm like, look, dude, I'm driving an F-150 to this day. Okay, my wife laughs because she said I'm probably the brownest redneck she ever met because I'm the guy that gets into all the big F-150s. I want them to be raised and have the big fat tires, the mud flap, the grills, the winch, and all that. She's like, who are you? She, you know, she looks at me like, I would just never imagine a guy with dreads to like, be into all this stuff. And when she listens to my iPod, she's always surprised. She's like, wow, it's just never a dull moment on your iPod. So it's very diverse with music, but that's just the way I was raised also by my grandparents. So anyway, getting back to the, the radio station. So pretty much, man, did that for those couple years and then graduated, went to college, moved to Houston, got back on the radio again. And from there, started to get into the DJ scene. So started going. We're out talking about uh, EDM, right? Electronic dance music. It was not called that then. <laughs> so it was like let's just put like this back house? then. I was doing house music. I was spinning drum and bass. I was doing dance hall and reggae, and I was doing underground hip hop for the most part. And a lot of old school, which really wasn't old school at that point. When you think about like a lot of like R&B and soul music from like the 80s at that point. And that stuff was probably not even old school at that time. So I was doing a mix of that stuff. But mostly it moved toward the rave scene toward the end of the 90s. 
And right around that time, man, like I said, life is good when you're a DJ. People love what you play. They take care of you. They're giving you tips. Ladies too, you. right? Hey, man, I'm not going into that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble or anything. <laughs> oh, trust me. My wife knows all the stories. And she doesn't believe those either. She's like, really? I can't believe that you were that guy. I wasn't that guy, that guy. But, you know, I, let's just say I had a lot of fun back then because I was single and I could. Yeah. But, cool, you man. know, the cool thing was, like I said, people love when you're playing music, especially when you're doing a rave scene. They're buying you drinks. At the end of the night, most of the time you're getting out of raves about six in the morning. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to go and eat. You're going to go to IHOP and all these other places. So let's just say a few years of that, your health starts to fail. So I kind of moved away from all the hard training I was doing coming out of high school. So, you know, from all the football training and all that and off season training, kind of just got away from that once I got deep into the entertainment industry. And then I started working for record labels at this time, too. So now you get that green card back then, that Amex card, and you mm-hmm. kind of have free reign with it. And you take the other DJs out. You take them out to dinner all the time. It's kind of a way of saying thank you for playing our records and everything. And you work for a couple of labels who are really focused on a certain look of a lifestyle. At that time, right. I can say one label, they really wanted to change the face of who they used to be, Motown in particular, when they wanted to get away from that old, you know, what everybody thinks of a Motown, you know, think about Smokey Robinson and the Miracles and very 60s and all that. They want to get away from that. They want to go toward a more younger audience toward the mid to late 90s. So once I started working with them, they were all about this thing they call Big Willie style, which is this lifestyle I guess you can say that's when the lifestyle optimization really came apparent <laughs> to me as far as marketing that because they want us to have this appearance. They want us to hear these young people working for us. They're successful. They're happy. They're vibrant. They're not succumbing to what their parents did. You work hard all day. You work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You come home, you eat, you go to bed and then you hit repeat. No, we were the ones that were like, look, we're going out. We're making a great living. We're out here in the entertainment industry. We're in the clubs. We're hanging out. We're at these parties. You know, here we are with the cigars. You know, we're here with the nice cars, the jewelry, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's not just fake. It's like, no, we got the bank account to back it up because we're getting paid very well. Of course, this is the Clinton era. So, yeah, we were getting paid very well. (laughs) But here's the problem with that. When you're in your mid-20s and you're making that kind of money and you're like the first in your generation and in your family that like have this lifestyle, not working the nine to five, you kind of need somebody to kind of rein you in. Mm, (laughs) You know, like, whoa. And which is cool. I'm glad all that stuff happened. You know, I'm glad all that happened because it really helps me as a father and talking to my kids and helping them out. I have two young men can't say boys now two young men one's in college one's married with a son and wow. you know i have a daughter in high school so they're I didn't in place he's that old i mean i know you, <laughs> you made a few jokes but all right all right yeah man no actually i just turned 42 actually a couple of weeks ago oh okay yeah so you know they were learning a lot of things from my experience and they're taking it and run with it i didn't have that growing up i really didn't have those examples like that especially as an entrepreneur didn't have those entrepreneurs i just had everybody that really just went and they busted their butt and they worked you know as they say they worked for the man and they came home with their family so now you know i'm teaching my kids it's like look you can be the man and still come home to your family instead of working for the man but at, at the end of the day the only common denominator really between those that go out and bust their butt working for someone else and someone that works for themselves, you still got to work. Right. And that's what they need to understand. And they get it. They love it. And they get to see both worlds. So they get to see it from, you know, their mother's perspective as well. And, you know, she still works in the corporate world and all that. So now they get examples and they can make a choice which one better fits the lifestyle that they want. Uh, and- man, I, you know what, Sincera, I like that so much because you are an entrepreneur. You are in the fitness industry. And as we talked about before we got on this uh, interview today, we were talking about how we're not so crazy about just being like those fitness guys who live, eat, 
breathe fitness and nutrition. Like we want to do other things. So can you talk about like how you got into fitness and where you are with it right now? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I'll tell somebody like when someone says like, oh, you're a trainer. I'm like, nah, don't ever call me that. You know, <laughs> you don't I'm like that name either. No, I say yeah. a trainer. I said, that's that dude that gets a horse ready for a horse race at the Kentucky Derby. That's a trainer. A trainer is that dude that wraps your foot up at football practice when you sit there and you fall down and, you know, you get injured or something like that. They wrap you up with tape. No, I said, no, nah, man. I said, if anything, yeah, I don't mind the title coach, but it's just a title. It means nada if it's not going out there and affecting anyone in a positive way. I could care less about any of these titles people tell me they have their CSCS, BSBS, and every, all these other little letters behind their name. I'm like, yeah, but who are you? Right. Okay, don't tell me, you know, for example, I'm not saying you, Ted. You know, let's say I'm Ted Rice, CSCS, you know, RKC, IKFF, blah. I'm like, dude, you need to use more vowels. I said, because all those letters at the end are not making words. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because guess what? At the end of the day, a client, a potential client, or the average person, they don't know what most of those letters mean. They could care less. All they want to know is, dude, can you help me get better? Can you help me feel better? Can you help me and give me the tools that I need to make better decisions and live a more optimal life? Yeah, And man. guess what? That is, that is not just limited to fitness and nutrition. Yeah. That's also, put that in the lifestyle, man. I mean, whether it's just travel, like, look, I feel so bad when someone sees someone traveling. Look, here's somebody that's in a position. I'm not saying that somebody is like, let's just say they're economically a little challenged at the time. I'm talking about people who actually have the position. They have the money to actually get out and do stuff. When they see someone traveling, like, man, I would love to do that. Right. Why don't you? Well, you know, I'm trying to save on my vacation time. What are you saving it for? Dude, just go. I mean, no one says you have to go across to Europe if you're somewhere in Texas or something like that and call that a vacation. Look, there are things called staycations. People won't even do that, where they just take a weekend off, even if they just go and get out of their house and check into a hotel, a nice hotel right there in the same city in which they live, turn off their phones, turn off their computers, enjoy time with a significant other, or just even some alone time. They won't even do that. They feel like, I don't have time for that. Or they, they don't feel like, they didn't even know that was an option. Right. You know, when I say staycation, they're like, really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. I'm like, yeah, dude, why don't you just go and, you know, look, you can go on Hotwire and get a good deal. I'll tell someone here in Houston, just go on Hotwire and you can go and get a good deal at the Hotel Derek for the weekend, two days, just go stay there. Hotel Derek and like Hotel Zaza, like some really upscale hotels here in Houston, you know, right up there with the W and all that. Cool. So I'm saying you can get a good deal because they're trying to fill those rooms for the weekend. Go ahead and knock that out, man. You may spend like less than 200 bucks, probably less than 150 bucks sometimes. Just do it, man. And just chill. Just chill. You will come back refreshed. Even if you work for someone or you're an entrepreneur, take that couple of days, man, of just like unloading and boom, come back that Monday. You're ready to kill it, man. You'd be surprised. And you didn't have to go anywhere. You were in the same city, but it felt like you were somewhere else. So don't devalue like the power of a staycation, man. But if you can get out, which I always suggest, because I say go out and travel the world, man. Find you a place, man. There's always good deals. Always good package deals. Do it in the off season. So right. if it's someplace warm, don't go there in the summertime. <laughs> you know, go ahead and if it's warm, it's probably going to be warm all the time for the most part, like where Ted is. Like Florida, I don't even know if they even know what winter is like. They've heard stories. But I don't think they know what winter is like. It, well, is, yeah, it's Miami. warm and then it rains and then it gets <laughs> yeah. warm again. That's pretty much our year. <laughs> exactly. And so that's how it is in Costa Rica, which is why it's so inviting. And that is why my wife and I are working toward going there and living there. 
And I mean, it's one of my favorite places, which, you know, anybody that follows me on social media, they know this. And one thing about Costa Rica, they don't have the four seasons like we do. They have two seasons. They have the dry season and the raining season. Right now is the raining season. And this is the perfect time to go to Costa Rica. I mean, the thing about the raining season there, it's not like it rains all day, every day. Like like some of my friends in the UK tell me, like, it seems like it rains all the time. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's pretty dreary. Yeah, they've heard stories about the sun, but they think it's just a myth. (laughs) So, so, you know, that's what they tell me. But, you know, in Costa Rica, as far as the raining season, you know, it may rain, let's say, from like 10 a.m. to about maybe three or four in the afternoon. And then sun's out. So and but the temperatures usually around 70 to 75 degrees all year round. OK, so you can't beat that. So my thing is, if you can go, this is the cheapest time to go out there. Go to Costa Rica, man. Go there. Enjoy yourself. Relax. Unwind. For most folks in the U.S., that's only a, about a two to three hour flight away. Yeah, so just I'm, do it, man. I'm do glad it. you brought up uh, Costa Rica, too. Well, just to talk more, to rewind a bit, talk about the mm-hmm. staycations. Like you said, Sincere, it's so important to break up our routine and to get out of that pattern because we all get so locked into it. I know I do. And everybody who I see, and, and like you said, it doesn't take that much money, but it doesn't take that much money to go and do something like what Sincere saying. But I like that you mentioned Costa Rica. I had one of the best vacations ever in Costa Rica. And I went there during the rainy season mm-hmm. and I had a blast. What is it that you like so much about Costa Rica? And why do you want to move there? First of all, let me just say this. And everyone out there has ever gone on a vacation or just travel somewhere. Where have you ever gone? Let's just say last time I was in Costa Rica, we were there for eight days. Where have you gone anywhere for eight days straight and no one, not one single person was an asshole? Please, please tell me where that place is so I can go there next. Well, it's definitely not in Miami Beach, guys. So (laughs) it's definitely not here. Just FYI. (laughs) So eight days straight in Costa Rica, man, and everyone there is so flipping nice that it's just kind of like, whoa, is this even real? And they go out of their way. They just want you to be happy. Now, I had this feeling before I went there, but I actually have a tour guide that kind of validated this without me even asking. I have a feeling the reason why the people in Costa Rica are so happy, first of all, they don't have a military. They don't have an army. They haven't had an army since, I think, 1947 or 1948. They got rid of their military. Now, I know most people think like, whoa, that's crazy, especially being in Central America. Again, people, I'm saying they haven't had one since 1947 or 48. No conflict. Even with Nicaragua and all these places on their border, Panama, all of those are border places to Costa Rica. Still no conflict. Hmm. Everyone's happy. You know what they do with all that money that would normally go to military? They put it into their medical system and into their education system. Everyone there can go to college free. It's on the state. Okay, the state takes care of that. Everyone there has health care thanks to the state. So because they're not spending it all on on the military. Yeah, of course, you know, for some of us, we may think that's not realistic, especially being in, you know, the United States or something like that. But my thing is, okay, I like that. So I have an alternative now. I'm not saying that, you know, as we start thinking about living in Costa Rica, well, first of all, I'm not giving up my citizenship because let's just be honest, Ted. It's, it's <laughs> when good you're to born be American. With it, yeah. yeah. It's like, when, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if it's just the fan, no matter where you are in the world, it's always great to come back home. It's hard to come back home when you give up that passport and then you try to get it back again. Okay. So it's hard just for someone coming from another country to come over here and become a citizen. Now, it's even harder when you were a citizen and you gave it up and now you're trying to get it back again. What do you have to do to maintain it, by the way? 
Well, basically, I mean, we're not giving it up. So that's the main thing. Oh, and the thing, okay. Yeah, we're not going to give it up. And the only thing is with that, any kind of income that we would make, even in another country, we still have to pay taxes on it here to the U.S. Oh, okay. So, Good to know. In so, case yeah. any of the listeners are thinking about moving to a different country and still yeah, wanting want to, to keep things check. cool with where they're from. Exactly. And we're going to keep you know, our properties here as well. So one thing about it, what we're going to do is just test it out first. I mean, so our next trip to Costa Rica will end up probably being about a two week trip. Then we'll do about a month trip. So that's when you really start to figure out if it's for you or not. Going there for a week, everything's hunky dory. Everything's great. You're just a tourist at that time. You stay there for about a month. And when they get used to seeing your face, okay, then you get to wonder, you know, you get to see exactly how they're going to treat you. So, you know, we're going to do that and just keep working on that. It, this is something that's probably about three years away. I, you know, my thing is I want to make sure that all of my kids are adults at that time and none of them are in, let's say, you know, like secondary, well, like in high school or anything like that. I want to make sure that they're getting on with their adult lives before, I, you know, daddy throws up the deuce and like, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, don't call me. You're on your own now. <laughs> don't ask me for money. You're an adult. <laughs> so, so that's my thing. So I have a few more years, you know, to get all that stuff together and get all the ducks in a row before we even start considering that. And there are still some other places in the world we want to check out too. So they may be options as well. You know, my wife has hell been on Thailand and Bali and places like that. So we'll see, man. Yeah, and you know, what's funny is I'm going to be interviewing someone very soon that moved out to Thailand. And actually, I guess I know a couple of entrepreneurs out there. They're living out there. Yeah. And having a good time. I mean, guys, I hope you're listening to this and just seeing the opportunity that is around you because you don't have to stay here. You know, you don't have to live in the American lifestyle, the United States lifestyle where it's a little bit rough. And sincere, I met, I went down to Jamaica one time and I was talking to this guy who uh, came here for a little while from Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And then he went back. He was like, man, you know, guys are all about work. You guys don't relax. I'm like, yeah, that's what they don't tell you about the American dream. It's like, you can <laughs> yeah, get exactly. it, but you will work your fingers to the bone to make it happen. Not good here's or bad. The, it's just the way it is. So yeah, pick your poison, you know? Here's the problem with the American dream. You're so busy working, you don't have time to sleep to have that dream. Okay? <laughs> and that's the thing about that, man. Yeah, that's funny. I like that, man. It's good. <laughs> if anything, it's a daydream, you know? It's not like you're getting any deep alpha, you know, beta sleep or anything like that. So yeah, yeah man. That, yeah, that's you, what, are you saying that's what happens when you doze off because you're so sleep deprived? You get that exactly. 30 seconds of a, the exactly. American daydream. <laughs> Exactly, man. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's funny because, yeah, I just came back from a cruise and, you know, we stopped in Cozumel and Grand Cayman Islands. And, you know, it was just so funny. We we're in Grand Cayman. So, of course, we're in a line to get some coconuts, man. And, you know, the guy's just kind of talking and he's kind of dealing with about 10 people all at one time. Not because everybody's demanding that he talks to them and, you know, wait on them. He's choosing to. So, right. you know, that American mindset, we're like, dude, I'm here in line with my money out first. You need to be addressing me first because I'm the one that's here in front of you about to hand my money over. These people, it's like six, seven people away from here. And you know, you're trying to talk to them, but then you're asking me a question. So I don't know if you actually, if you even remember what I said that I wanted to buy from you. So of course, just me being me, I'm human here. I'm just kind of like, dude, are you serious? Because I'm big on customer service. But my thing is address the customer that's already here. Don't kind of ignore them. You know, I kind of took it like I was being ignored. And it's just funny. And then he was trying to hand me some sugar cane while he was talking to someone else, even though I'm trying to get a coconut. So in my mind, <laughs> I'm thinking like, you're not paying attention. 
I didn't want sugarcane. I wanted a coconut. But he's trying to give me the sugarcane as a sample just to oh, say, hey, you know, right. here's a thank you for buying the coconut as he's getting my coconut ready and talking to everyone else. So he's like, no, and I was kind of telling him, no, I don't want that. He's like, no, take it. He said, he said, take it. Relax, man. Relax. Relax, <laughs> man. He, and he's kept saying this. And, you know, it's natural for Americans. You know, I've gotten over this, but I know a typical American, especially anybody I know, you tell them to relax in yeah. that situation. They, what do you they, mean, they, relax? Yeah, I don't want to yeah. relax. But I was kind of like, you know what? He's right. Let me relax. Why am I so antsy? Why do I? I need to be in such a hurry. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm here on this island enjoying this. Yeah, I'll take that sugar cane. And it was damn good, by the way. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a- it's nice, man. Did you try any of the turtle soup? I've had turtle soup before because I'm in Texas and, you know, Mexico is next door. Oh, and, you okay, know, okay. Tortuga soup is, you know, not that uncommon or whatever. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm oh. not a fan, man. <laughs> you know, it's just certain things. It's just certain animals you just need to leave alone. You know, the turtles, like, one of them. Yeah, just leave the turtles alone, man. I'm not I'm too big on that. And, you know, there are going to be probably some people out there that's like, well, why do you tell the animals? I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's just certain things. Just like, I can't do that. I yeah. can't do that at all. You know, leave the turtles alone, dude. But, um, <laughs> but you know, of course, I was having to have some Jamaican patties, man, while I was there, you know, some beef patties and some veggie patties. And like I said, the coconut was phenomenal. So anyhow, man, it just thought about it. I was very conscious of what was going on. You know, I was like, dude, relax, like leave that American lifestyle behind. Always needing to be addressed, needing to be recognized, needing to have something right now. Just calm down. You're, you're going to get it when you get it. It's not like he's ignoring you. So don't jump to conclusions either. And it's just one guy at a stand and he's trying to get, you know, address all these people coming off all these ships at one time. Right. So just like breathe. Like, how would you feel as an entrepreneur when you got all these people coming at you at once, you know, and then there's one person in the bunch snapping at you, you know, like, even like if I'm teaching a workshop, you know, this is one person that continues to keep asking question after question after question. So I had to put myself in his place because he's an entrepreneur too. So I'm like, okay, I get it, brother. You know, I was like, my bad. I even said that. I said, I said my bad. You're right. So it's one of those lessons, man. Just It's all about just having consciousness and just kind of putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And I think as an entrepreneur, the more and more we do that, even when we're customers ourselves, the better we can be and more effective we can be as entrepreneurs by always putting ourselves in the other person's shoes and getting out of our own way and stop just thinking about what we want and how we want our businesses to run or what we want to get out of this deal or something like that, man. Yeah. What about having some advice for any of the listeners out there who are maybe aspiring entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, or like maybe they just started a business, but they're starting to run into some trouble. What do you have to say to them about the whole up and down journey of what you've been through and now you're enjoying this success where you're traveling around and you're looking for new places to move in the world. And what do you have to say to them? But, you know, honestly, man, that's where the fun lies in being an entrepreneur. And that's when you know if, if you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur or not. When the challenge comes up, when it seems like it's not going to work, where things are not going your way, how you respond to that is when you know this is truly the lifestyle where you belong. See, that's the thing. An entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur, when things are not going as well as, you know, as they think it would go, they'll respond to that. As far as someone who pretty much is better at being a worker, better at working for someone else they'll react. There's a difference between responding and reacting. Responding is like, okay, there's a problem. I need to come up with a solution for that problem. Even though I was already working on a solution for another problem, here's another one. So basically entrepreneurs thrive off that challenge. They thrive off no. You tell them like, yeah, it can't be done. Dude, you want to give an entrepreneur the biggest Woody in the world? Tell him he can't do something. Tell her she can't do something. You know, tell her it won't work. If they get excited, like, oh, okay, game on. That's an entrepreneur right there. If they start to question, it's like, mm, I don't know. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Now, trust me, the fear is always there. 
Right. But you know what? The thing is, will you let the fear excite you or will you let it defeat you? That's where you got to make the decision right there. So yeah. my thing is also here's the flip side, Ted. Sure. Sometimes you got to know when to just go ahead and fold them. You know, there are some people that so just true. Get, their yeah. pride gets in the way. And the fact that they don't want to be seen as a quote unquote failure, they won't let stuff go. You know, my thing is, look how many opportunities you're probably missing, because at the end of the day, I think those folks know that what they're working on is not going to be a good fit. It's not going to work. It's not the time for that product or that idea. They know this, but their pride won't let it go because they've told so many people about what they're doing and they'll feel like, well, I like the biggest ass once they say, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, it didn't work. That's a different fear they're dealing with right there. Here's the thing about being an entrepreneur, especially when you feel something deep down in your soul that you feel like, okay, here's a problem out there and here's the solution that I'm coming up with to help you with that problem. Here's the thing about it. At the end of the day, you won't care what people think of you. You're not looking for approval. You're not looking for the nod saying like, okay, Ted, you now have permission to go chase after your dream. Right. Because number one, an entrepreneur, here's the best advice I give the entrepreneurs. Sure. Don't rent that real estate in your head, in your dream to anyone else. That's yours, man. Don't let anybody in there. All those ideas, all that stuff that gets you going, that's going on in your head, man, and in your heart, that's yours. That's prime real estate. You can't let just anybody come in and squat down on that, especially because most of these people, they're squatters. They're not paying. They're not leasing it out. They're not giving you anything in return for that. They're just coming in. Imagine someone, you got this great house that you built. You know, this is what you designed. You built it the way you wanted to. Someone knocks on your door. You open the door. They just come in. And they're like, oh, this house is all right. And next thing you know, they're sitting on your couch. With the, they take their shoes off, feet are propped up. They grab your remote, which we know most men, this is a no-no. So they're doing that. They're smoking your cigars, drinking your drinks. And you're just sitting like, what are you doing, dude? No, I'm good, man. I'm just here, you know, just kind of let you know how everything's working inside your house. I'm just going to be here to advise you on it. Okay, you going to pay rent? No. Why? I'm just here to help out. Why should I have to pay rent? That's what you do every time you let somebody in on your ideas and they start giving their input. Especially, you got to look at the source. What type of person is this? Is this the person that's always the naysayer? Is this the person that never believes in anything? Is this the person that always has something negative to say? Uh, I don't think that'll work. Oh, I don't know about that. I wouldn't do that. Oh, it couldn't be me. That type of person, you got to really look around and you got to make sure you have the right stock as far as people around you as well. You got to have some people around you who have that. They don't necessarily have to have the exact same ideas as you do, but they need to be moving forward. Right. So you may not be going in the same direction as far as an idea or a business, but you should be moving forward. And that's the thing. There are a lot of people who are stagnant or they're going backwards. Those are the two directions you don't want to go. Yep. That's the last place. It rubs want. off, right? I try to tell that to people all the time and people are like, oh man, you're kind of a dick. You're kind of cold. You know, it's like, no, I'm not judging people. I'm not saying they're bad people because that's what they're doing. I'm just saying, if you hang out with them, you're going to get sucked into it and it's going to be harder for you to make the type of progress in your life that you want to make. That's it. Yeah, man. I know exactly what you mean, Sincere. I tell that to my friends all the time and people tell me, they're like, oh man, that sounds cold. You sound judgmental. You sound like you're being mean. You're being a hater. It's like, no, I'm not judging people on whether they're a good person or a bad person or anything like that. It's just a simple fact that if you're hanging out with people who are either stagnant or going backwards in life, it's going to rub off on you. And the more you hang out with them, the more it's going to rub off on you. Yeah, and please don't let it rub up on you. 
Yeah, <laughs> totally definitely do that. Happening. Yeah, yeah, totally different. <laughs> that's another podcast topic altogether for sure. But so, yeah, man, I agree. So yeah, it's not like what, you're, what do like you a, say to people when you say something like that and people are like, oh, sincere, like you're being mean to those people. Like, well, why are you saying those all, mean things? Yeah, my thing is, I'm not being mean to those people, but the thing or anybody in particular is like, here, I'm gonna take a quote from my dad that he, rest in peace that he left with me. You throw a rock at a pack of dogs, the one that barks is the one that got hit. So my thing is, when you say a statement, when you say something that we're talking about, you know, got to stay away from all those negative people and those naysayers, those people who pretty much are stagnant, going traveling backwards or have no qualms even trying to move forward. And the first person that gets upset, that's the dog that got hit with that rock you just threw out there. Okay, so my thing is, if it's not pertaining to me, I can't get upset. If someone says something stupid or whatever, like, you know, oh, man, all you fitness dudes, all you just a bunch of meatheads. Somebody gets upset, like, oh, how can you say that? Blah, blah, blah. They get offended. I won't get offended. Right. Because I know I'm not a meathead, you know, so it doesn't bother me when someone says that. It's like, okay, there's nothing to do with me. Yeah. Because number one, you didn't say sincere, you're a meathead. And even if you say that, I'm like, well, that's your opinion. Right. Yeah. And notice I said, that's your opinion. I didn't say you have a right to your opinion. You know, my <laughs> thing is, that's just your opinion. Right. And it's not based on any fact. So that's why it does not bother me. Okay. So, and at the end of the day, when I say this on our podcast a lot. At the end of the day, when I go to the mailbox and I look at my light bill, and if I don't see your name on it, I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> I could care less, dude. You're not really contributing anything happening over here. Someone said, well, you know, how do you feel about that if it's one of your customers? Well, you know, my thing is the beauty and choosing the people you work with. Most people that work with me, they know me. They know I'm straight to the point. I don't sugarcoat anything like that. They listen to us on the show. They know my personality. They know Mike's personality. And they pretty much know who they're dealing with. Right. So anyone that can respect that won't come at me with that type of negativity or craziness. So I don't really have to worry about it. Every now and then, you know, you always have that one that'll try to challenge you. But guess what? Shut them down. You don't want to work with that person anyway because they're just looking for the challenge. And you don't have to work with them. That's the beauty. Another thing about being an entrepreneur, you should be able to choose who you want to work with. Don't try to be a perfect fit for everyone because anyone that tries to work with everyone will work with no one. You will be broke, pissed, jaded, and going back to the corporate world or whatever else and saying, <laughs> and then anytime someone comes to you talking about any type of entrepreneurial endeavor, you'll be the one that's hating on them. And I don't know if that'll work because, you know, I try to start a business once, blah, 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 blah. You went about it the wrong way. And that was your experience, buddy. It's not this other guy's problem. So just say, hey, I made mistakes by doing this. And, you know, man, hopefully you'll do a lot better than I did. And hopefully you can learn from this story I'm about to tell you that I did incorrectly. That's how you can contribute and make yourself. I mean, there you go. And even though you're working with someone else at this point, you're contributing to the world by sharing your experience with another up and coming entrepreneur. So they won't make the same mistake because you made the choice not to go back and try it again or do better. You chose to go to another realm, okay? And you need to state that. Don't act like what happened to you is the end all be all and it happens to all entrepreneurs. Right. And my, another thing is if you work for someone else, hey man, no one's gonna crap on you for that. I don't care if you're a street sweeper, garbage man, janitor, you know, or if you're like the vice president of a bank. My thing is if, if you bust your ass and put your all into that, and you feel good about it. It does not make you feel sick at the end of the day. You look at yourself in the mirror and, or when you wake up, you're like, I'm ready to go to work. You're excited about that or do that. Do it. You know, go for that. Because here's the thing. One thing about just like the military, you got generals and you got to have soldiers. Yep. Everyone can't be a general. Everyone can't be a soldier. You got to have some leadership there. At the same time, you got to have those worker bees to go out there and put boots to the ground, man. But my thing is, 
if you're a general, don't sit there and put map out some plans that you wouldn't go out and do yourself or haven't done yourself. If you're a trainer, if you're a coach, dude, don't sit there and put together a training program that you yourself have never done and you have no idea if they work. My thing, if you're doing nutrition programming and you haven't tried it yourself that way and really given it a chance and actually kind of documented it, come on, man, don't sit there and try to put it on someone else, okay? Just because you read it somewhere and it sounded cool or someone you look up to in the industry said that and you feel like, well, if so-and-so said it, it must be true because I believe in him. So I'm going to start telling all my clients to start doing it. No, man, you got to get your hands dirty. You got to do it yourself. Same thing. Any type of business advice I give to my, you know, any of my business coaching clients, I'm not going to tell them to do something that I have not tried myself and it make sure that it's worked for me. If it hasn't worked for me, I'm not even going to bring it up. There's a lot of things I've done my clients don't even know about. <laughs> because it's not worth the salt and a tear, dude. Right. So, you know, I'm like, they'll bring up stuff. Ooh, save your money. Why? I've done that already. I've already contributed to that fund already. I've already contributed to that shiesty dude already <laughs> and made his, you know, helped his kids get in college by buying his program. And it wasn't worth a crap. So save your money, man. I have no problem telling people that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And it just comes down to finding out what works and what doesn't and passing on that experience. And I didn't know you did business coaching. Sincere, yeah. man, you have a gym where you train and do uh, small group training. You travel the world teaching seminars, or I guess not so much anymore, right? You're just no, traveling the world for fun and you have business coaching. Can you tell us about all the different areas of business that Sincere Hogan does? Yeah, it's funny because a lot of times people just kind of ask me on the side, like, hey, man, do you do any kind of business coaching? I'm like, I do. Yeah, because I looked on your website to try to find I said, yeah, and you won't. Because my thing is I'm very choosy. Again, this goes back to choosing who you work with. I feel like if I put my personal development coaching, my business coaching, nutrition coaching, online training, you know, for fitness, if I put all those things up there, man, and you'll have every Tom, Dick, and Hank trying to come in and just sign up for it. A lot of times people are not ready to do the work. It sounds good, but once you start telling them, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do to get started. Started. And this is what we need to do. Oh, and you've been doing this, this. Yeah, you know what? That's not so great. We have to stop doing that because of this, this, and this. And we start picking apart those things. They're not ready for it. Or like I said, just doing the work. You know, just even when you, just the initial sign up with me, just when I send the questionnaire over to you, I tell people right off the bat, all right, you're going to receive the questionnaires from me because I need to really get an idea where you are. I hear you talking now, but when you have to sit down there and write down these things, right? You, are you going to do it? Better yet, you start realizing some things that you hadn't thought about because I ask the hard questions. You know, it's not sugarcoated cookie cutter, you know, hey, how long you been in business? What do you want from your business? Blah, blah. Look, that's in there, but it's just like there are deeper questions in there. And some of them get very, very personal. It make you have to really put that pen down and think. Could, for a could you like, give us an example? I'm just curious, like, because how do you get into people's minds? It's in every area of business, whether you're a trainer or a business coach or whatever. Can yeah. you give us some examples? You've reached the end of another episode of the Alpha Man Project. Connect with us at alphamanproject.com. Your feedback is really important to us. It helps us learn, develop, and most importantly, improve our podcast for you. Give us a review on iTunes and receive a free grocery shopping list and four-week muscle-building workout. See you next episode.